but that same night god came to solomon and said listen i have kept my word but i expect you to keep your word too he said my presence will be here as long as you guys are following in my ways the day you leave me the day you forget me the day you are not longer following my commandments i am going to give up on this temple what god said was that i will cast away this temple and uh, i will let people come foreigners come and trample this temple and destroy this temple in other words god said i don't care about the silver and gold i don't care about the beautiful structure i don't care about any of these outward things what i care about is where your heart is do you know something all of us are christians we are the salt of this earth but only as long as we keep the saltiness jesus said the day that saltiness is gone from you you are garbage you're what nothing the world will despise you amen the world will trample you under their feet and they, because they can see that you only claim to be a christian but you are not really a christian we need to wake up amen so god is not god was not only ready to get rid of or or cast away his old testament temple which was built at the cost of billions of dollars he is also ready to cast away the new testament temples which is built at the cost of the precious blood of his son jesus you didn't become christian very easily god sent his only son into this world and he shed his precious blood amen and it is that blood that made you a child of god and then because you became a child became a child of god god sent his holy spirit into you and he is slowly growing you into a holy temple of god but if we do not keep that estate if you do not stay in that condition slip back into the world or try to keep one world in the one leg in the world and another leg in the kingdom guess what eventually you're going to be cast away you will be worth nothing so turn to somebody and say let's serve the lord with fear amen hallelujah so what makes you a temple it is the presence of god that makes you a temple amen so what do you need to do you have to make sure that you stay away from things that will cause the presence of god to depart from your life amen go to the next uh, yeah the slide right here because i i i'm showing you quickly showing you two examples from there one from the old testament and one from the new testament in the old testament we see the king saul i mean this is a man whom god chose to be the king in israel elevated him you know he was he was man he was a man without self confidence etc etc but god didn't care about any of his weakness god said i can work you in your life i can turn you around and i can make you a king <coughs> that's what god did right so he became the king but and then he got anointed by samuel the day he was anointed by samuel that he met a prophet a group of prophets and he started prophesying with them because the anointing was so fresh in his life and he was even prophesied 
at one time. But later on, he did a series of dumb mistakes in his life. So much so that the presence of God departed from him. Later on, we see that he was possessed by evil spirit. Towards the end of his life, 1 Samuel chapter 28 and verse 15. This is his final testimony in the Bible. <laughs> this man, this man, the first king in Israel, whom God lifted up and whom God elevated. And you know what is his final testimony that we see in the pages of the Bible? In 1 Samuel chapter 28 and verse 15, he says, God has departed from me. God has departed from me. He doesn't answer my prayers anymore. He doesn't speak to me anymore. How did that happen, Saul? If God chose you, if God is the one who chose you, if God is the one who elevated you, if God is the one who anointed you, if God is the one who made you king over all of Israel, how come God has departed from your life now? Because of the way he lived after he received the anointing. That's why I said we have to serve the Lord with fear. We cannot play with God, folks. Amen? Because the same way God departed from Saul's life, God can depart from our lives also. Don't take it for granted. I know we live in a country where evangelical Christianity, much of evangelical Christianity, uh, talk about once saved, always saved doctrine. But that's not in the Bible. It doesn't mean that you can, once you gave your heart to Jesus, it doesn't matter what you do after that. You're automatically covered by the precious blood of Jesus. No, the Bible doesn't say that. If you read the New Testament, all the epistles that Paul wrote, especially, and Peter, He's, they say again and again and again, be careful, be careful how you live. Be careful about your walk. Be careful about your words. Be careful about your interactions. Why? Because things can change. Amen. We cannot take it for granted. Let me show you an example from the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we read about a man in the Corinthian church. Corinth was a a very bad city, okay, something like New York today. All kinds of sin was very common in the city of Corinth. So there is no surprise that this man fell into this sin. His sin was that uh, even after he became a Christian, he was sleeping with his stepmom. I'm going to be talking openly, okay? Even after he became a Christian, he was sleeping with his stepmom because that was not a big deal apparently in Corinth. Because they were very sinful. And, and, and when I was thinking about this, I thought, okay, we are back there again. Because so many marriages end up in divorce. So many people remarry. And then you have a stepdad. And the stepdad can look at your daughter and say, hey, but that's not my daughter. Okay? So if I have a relationship with this girl, you know, no big deal. Because she's not my biological daughter. Are you with me? So we have to be very, very careful about a lot of things in our generation. Okay? So this is what happened to this man. And then the church came to know that this guy is sleeping with the, his stepmom. And because the culture didn't think much about it, nobody in the church corrected him. And the church was still, he was still coming to church. He was still taking communion. He was still clapping his hands and singing. And some true Christians in that church 
got bothered by it and say if you are a christian how can you do that okay you did that before you became a christian but when you become a christian you supposed to become a new creation in christ that's why paul wrote to corinthians if any man be in christ he becomes a new creation so how can you continue in that sin so when paul wrote this letter first corinthians to this church you know paul used very severe language to confront this man you know what paul told the church leaders they said he said deliver that man to satan wow when i read that verse i got so scared you know he said deliver that man to satan what do you mean by that he meant by that was uh, disassociate with him that's what he meant okay that's what he meant because the protection of a believer is the local church the covering of a local believer is your local church and your pastor i want you to understand that i will come to that i have to finish very fast i know but i will come to that in a, in a couple of minutes okay because god put a uh, put people in leadership over you to give you covering they are praying for you they are in the sitting for you they are always praying for you so when 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 paul said deliver this man to satan what he meant was that stop praying for this guy disassociate with him, from him and get, kick him out of the church so he's now he's exposed with his son with his sin in the world but the good thing about this man is that he realized that when he was kicked out from that church he repented in second corinthians chapter 2 when the god when paul wrote the second letter to the same church we can see that paul talking about the same man and saying that you can see this man has really repented and uh, because of his repentance let us take him back amen back to church and uh, he could continue in that uh, church so the modern thinking of mixing flesh and spirit is not in the bible it's not from the bible in the bible either you are a fleshly man or you are a spiritual man either you are a fleshly uh, fleshly woman or you are a spiritual woman you cannot be both the word for fleshly is the biblical word is carnal either you are a carnal person or you are a spiritual person you cannot be both at the same time Bible is very clear. So once again I challenge you serve the Lord with fear. Amen. Amen. Why? Because you are a growing into a temple holy temple of God. From the day you get saved God start a process of growth, Christian growth in your life and eventually you will become by the time God is done with you you will be a holy temple of God. Let me come back to Ephesians chapter 2 and conclude this. And when when you look at that passage you will see that apostle Paul emphasizes three kinds of connections. Please listen to me for two more minutes. He emphasizes two or three types of connections. If you want to grow into a holy temple of God, you have to keep three kinds of connections alive. Number 1, connection with the cornerstone. and who is the cornerstone jesus christ is the cornerstone you have to keep the connection with the cornerstone alive we cannot break away from the cornerstone we know that a building can crumble if it is not linked to the cornerstone properly amen number 1 number 2 you have to keep the connection with the foundation 
And what is the foundation in that passage? Apostle Paul says God is building his church on the foundation of apostles and prophets. So you have to keep the connection with the foundation. Are you listening to me? I know a number of our people are not here. They are probably watching on online. So I want you to look, especially those folks, I want you to listen to me very carefully. Amen. Because many times today in our generation, especially after COVID, people say, why do I have to go to church? On YouTube, Sunday morning, I can see 10,000 churches and I can choose. I can choose Gateway one week. I can choose another church. I can choose another church in California the following Sunday. Why do I have to come to church? And, and many of our people, we only see once in a while. Okay? So why do you have to keep the church? Listen. And you know what is the foundation? The foundation is apostles and prophets. The spiritual leadership God has placed over you. You have to maintain that connection. Listen to me. Number three, the third connection that you have to keep alive is the connection with each other. Tell me, how do you keep the connection with each other alive if you don't show up in the church? How do you keep the connection with your brothers and sisters if you don't show up in the church? If you don't show up for services? Amen. You know why? Because it's Bible says when you grow, when you grow, you know how do you grow? You don't grow by yourself. That's not a phrase actually. Apostle Paul used actually here. Apostle Paul created a compound Greek word to explain to us how this process happens. And that compound Greek word is at the very end of uh, Oh, my, my screen and there's a very little space there so you cannot even read that carefully. Uh, if I'm saying this wrong, we have a Greek couple here. They can correct me later, okay? And uh, uh, this is what, what, this is what the, the word. There was no words like this in Greek language. Apostle Paul created this compound word to show what is really in his heart. And you know what is this word? This word is sunarmo logumene. Sunargo logumene. That's a, that's a Greek word that he created. It's a triple compound word actually. Some scholars when I was studying this uh, word says that actually he put three words together to come up this, with the, this word. Because the beginning sun means sun together. Okay, harmo. Uh, no. I don't know. I, I may be going to say giving a wrong interpretation. So I'm going to, you know, take. Um, I'm not going to explain because I didn't write it down. Okay, it's so actually three different words that he used. And you want to know something? But there are, there are th things here. See, this is why the problem with the translations of the Bible. Okay, listen in the King NIV and NLT, two very popular. Bibles. I also read that sometimes. But it says, simply says that it joined together. Joined together is what the way they, um, they write that verse, verse 22, Ephesians 2.22. But that's wrong. Because Apostle Paul meant much more than that in that verse. In the, in the New King James Bible, which is the official Bible that we use for this church, it says being fitted together. Being fitted together. That is a little more closer to what Apostle Paul had in mind. But you know, the King James Bible, the King James phrase 
in this case, not always, but in this case, is the real meaning that Apostle Paul had in mind. Because like in King James Bible, it says, fitly framed together. So you know how God is building his temple? See, it was different, right? Construction was different from uh, uh, our days. In the old days, it was very different. Because nowadays, what do we do? I, we, I just did a, a bathroom in my house. You know, somebody in our church helped me with that. Um, so what did we do? The two of us went to Home Depot. <laughs> we just took the measurement of the walls and, and, um, uh, uh, and went to Home Depot and we bought X number of tiles, 12 by 24 for the walls. Now, all the tiles are the same. It doesn't make any difference which tile he picked up to put at the bottom, put at the top, at the top, because the, the, the tile at the bottom looks the same as the tile at the top, because all of them are pre-cut, 12 by 24. Or you can go and buy 6 by 6, or 6 by 8, or 4 by 8, or whatever. Well, whatever we buy by Home Depot, all the tiles look the same. Listen to me for two more minutes, okay? But that's not the way God built his temple. God has no mass production. God has no mass production. In the ancient days when they were building something, whether it was a wall or a building, even when you go back to your country and look at it, even here in this country, when you travel to rural areas or upstate New York or, or Poconos or somewhere, and you look at a building that was built 200 years ago, you will not see this kind of thing there. Because they didn't have mass production at that time. So the, what, does, what has the builder do? The builder will lay down the cornerstone, right? And when the, he'll make sure he has a solid foundation. And once that solid foundation in, is in, in that place, he has a picture in his mind how high this wall is going to be, how wide this wall is going to be, how much weight it has to carry. All that is in his mind. But he does not have anything like anything mass produced like we have today. So you know what he has to do? He has to take whatever stone is available. And have you looked at the old buildings? One stone may look like a rectangle. The next stone may look like a, a, a square. The next stone may look like a hexagon. The next stone may look like an octagon. You know? And the uh, next stone may have no shape at all. <laughs> or maybe it's round in shape. So he has to work with whatever stone is available. So what he do? He take that stone and he fashions that stone with a chisel. Hey! Oh! I cannot get too excited. Okay? I take it easy. Uh, but I am excited in my heart. Amen. Think about what God is doing with your life. God didn't mass produce you. You didn't come off an assembly line. Amen. Think about what God is doing with you. Amen. Because God comes and God takes this stone and he's building this edifice. And this is an edifice that continues to grow. 2,000 years it's growing. And he decided to put you on that same wall along with other millions of Christians who have believed in Jesus Christ over the last 2,000 years. But he wanted to make sure you are fitly framed together. When he places you on that wall, he wants to make sure you don't knock down the next stone. 
that was already there. Amen. Some of nobody can come to Jesus and say, No, no, no. Don't use the chisel on me. Don't fashion me. Just take me and put me on that wall. The problem is you will not fit. You will not fit. You will not fit. So turn to somebody and you need to fit. Yeah, turn to somebody and say, Come on, come on. We got to have church here. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, You need to fit. Amen. Hallelujah. If you want to fit for God's purposes, if you want to fit for God's plan, if you want to be part of God's plan, if you want to be part of God's holy temple, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to chisel you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit has to chisel you. He has to take away all the rough edges from your life. Amen. And don't tell me that accept me the way I am. Many people today say, Pastor, this is the way I was before I got saved. So this is the way I'm going to be in the church. No. You cannot be the way you were in the church. Because you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. You are not the same old person. You have become new. And how did you become new? God started chiseling you. God just instead of removing all the rough urges, amen, until you perfectly fit on that wall that God is building so you can be part of the holy temple of God. Hallelujah. And when you become part of that goal, that wall, you know what is happening? You become a dwelling place for God. That's when we can say, no, you're not. You are the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwells in you. Stand up with me all over this place.